Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. And if you have your Bibles, would open them with me. I'm going to go to the Word of the Lord. I come with a little trepidation this morning. <clears throat> I went to bed about 11 o'clock last night and I preached until about 3.30. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad, uh, but I just know I preached all night, or at least what seemed to be all night, this particular message. And so I fear today that I would be long-winded, and some of you probably need to be praying right now that I won't be. <clears throat> but I do have a word from the Lord for someone today. Mark chapter 6, verse number 45. While you're turning, let me encourage all of our men to be here next Saturday morning at 9 for our men's breakfast. We always have a great time. And I know that some of you will be out of town. But if you're in town, please be here. Also, 4th of July uh, comes midweek, and it is on a Wednesday. And so we are going to be... Uh, doing our fish fry that we had planned for earlier this month on that Wednesday afternoon. We'll give you the time, but we'll have a great time of fellowship for all of you that are in town. And then we can eat watermelon and watch the fireworks and may even have a prayer meeting before it's over with. What a way to celebrate the 4th of July. It's summertime, folks. Amen. Summertime. I can tell some of you it's winter because you feel you just come on. Let's wake up and come to church today. Amen. Mark chapter six and verse number forty-five. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But, they, but when they saw him... Walking up on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, a phantom, a ghost. And, of course, they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, for it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up. Unto them in the ship, and the wind ceased, and there they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Verse 52 said, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for, the hard, for, for their heart <clears throat> was hardened. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when we forget. Amen. What happens when we forget. And everybody said amen. amen. 
God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. First of all, let me give you um, a little Bible study concerning the book of Mark. John Mark, as he is known in Scripture, was a convert. Uh, The church, he was uh, a Gentile, uh, and yet he became very closely uh, connected to Simon Peter. Uh, He actually became, in later years, Simon's interpreter. And so when Simon was remembering the events of uh, the life of Christ and all the experiences that he had, it was Mark who wrote down Peter's recollection. Mark was not written till many years later, but it was a the, the, the recollections of Simon Peter as told to Mark, and they are not all in the exact order per se as some of the other books, but they are Peter's remembrance of what happened and transpired during the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and how it affected him and how they were impacted. And so when you read Mark, you are actually reading a gospel that was in the mind and the heart of Simon Peter. This is his account of what happened uh, during that time. And so in this particular passage, Peter is recalling an event that happened to them uh, in their earthly journey with the Lord. He recalls how that after a multitude had been fed, that the Lord constrained them to go across the Sea of Galilee ahead of him And he lingered behind. And it is interesting to note that the Bible said he constrained them. Evidently, they did not understand the reasoning behind his request. And they did not understand why they were being sent ahead of him and he was not going with them. But it is a fact that in the Christian's journey in life, you do not always understand the reasoning behind God's command to your life. There are many times that God speaks direction into our lives and yet we do not understand why we are going where we are going. The day had been a glorious day. They had been participants in the miracle of feeding 5,000. I don't know how many of you really read the story carefully, but if you read the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus broke bread and gave to the disciples, and evidently they went and broke that same bread, and it multiplied in their hands. So it was, to say the least, a glorious day, but but, but, but in life, as it is in our scripture, the finest day can be followed by the stormiest night. And our lives are often tried by unexpected things, circumstances, disappointments, losses. And how often great troubles follow great blessing. 
As they began their journey across the Sea of Galilee, Peter is describing to John Mark how the situation began to deteriorate. They got in the boat and they started out, but somewhere after they had left the the side of land, the winds began to pick up and they became contrary. And he describes the state of affairs in their lives at that particular moment and he does with great detail and he talks about how they managed the situation that was upon them and how they dealt with their adversity and he described it like this he said they were toiling in rowing they were toiling in rowing that means that It was only by painful effort that they were able to make headway against the driving wind. They were just trying to simply maintain their course. They were battling waves and wind and seeking merely to keep their direction. And such was the plight of their night. They were only trying to finish what they had been asked to do. Toiling is the word that is used and it really is inadequate to express the full sense of the word in the, in the original. The literal translation of the word is tormented in rowing. They were tormented in rowing. Anybody ever felt like in life that you were being tormented in that situation that you are in right now. They were troubled in rowing. They were distressed in rowing. These skilled fishermen found it hard to deal with their present situation. And if these skilled men had a hard time of it, what are we to think that we will not have a hard time of it at times in our own life? Even the best of God's people find it hard rowing sometimes. Amen. These were God's chosen men. These were God's called men. And yet they were laboring to get across to the other side. They had to put forth the most strenuous and persistent effort in order to just keep the boat from being pushed backward to where they had began. Now I want you to get the picture. Nine hours is approximately how long this storm went on. They had been rowing for nine hours. And yet in nine hours they had only made about three miles. They had only gotten to the middle of the lake. Get the picture. The Sea of Galilee is approximately six miles wide at its widest point. Now you do the math. You figure it up for yourself. Nine hours and they've only made it halfway. How many of you have ever felt like that you have been doing your best and that you could say that I've never been trying harder but I'm getting nowhere? Never been trying harder, but I'm not making any headway. I never tried to live closer to God than I'm living right now, and yet I seem farther away from Him today than I've ever felt before. 
Am I talking to anybody here this morning that might be toiling in rowing? It's tormenting. It is painful. It is difficult. It is distressing. It is alarming. And when you figure it all up, you realize I'm not doing any better today than I was yesterday. As a matter of fact, I can't even see if I've made any ground at all. I seem at times even to be driven backwards. And so it was the plight of these disciples. But sometimes... God sets things against us to teach us to set ourselves against things that we might conquer them. And some of you are struggling this morning. I have no doubt about that in my mind, but that's not bad, folks. That's good that you are struggling. The good part is that you are struggling. You haven't given up. You may feel like you are not making ground, but you are still trying. And then to make matters worse, while the disciples were battling with the waves, Jesus is nowhere to be found. Anybody ever feel like, instead of where's Waldo, where's Jesus? Here I am. I'm struggling to hold my family together. I'm struggling to make my finances work. I'm struggling to make sense of this cancer or this disease or this problem or this jerk on the job. Or I'm struggling to make sense of this situation that I'm in and I can't get out of it. And all I seem like I'm doing is just treading water. I'm not going anywhere. And here these men were doing everything they knew to do, trying as hard as they knew to try. They were toiling. They were toiling. They were toiling. They were burdened. They were distressed in their efforts. They were harassed in their efforts. And Jesus wasn't anywhere to be found. Call out as loud as you could. They didn't hear his voice return. And then to make matters worse, as if the wind wasn't enough and the struggling wasn't enough, now they see something coming to them on the water that looks like a ghost. And instead of them sensing the nearness of the Lord, they felt like they were in the presence of something evil. They were in the presence of something sinister. Something that in their minds, no doubt, spelled their doom. And as Peter looks back over that event, and he's recalling this to to Mark, and he's trying to get it in Mark's mind so he can record it for us. As he begins to look back over those events, and he accounts for what happened that night, he tries, to, he tries to figure out in his mind where did these false assumptions come from that night? How was it that we who had just left the presence of the miracle worker, the one who had multiplied bread and fish and had done such wonderful things in the presence of the multitude, how could they have gone just a little way, just a few hours down the road, and now they're struggling with 
phantoms. They're wrestling with ghosts. They're terrified by demons and spirits and events that they feel like are totally out of their control. Peter said, how in the world could that have happened? And I can hear John Mark pipe in and say, Peter, tell me that story again. How could it be? How did it happen that you went from being in the presence of the miraculous to being in an atmosphere of pure hell and not knowing whether you, how could you change so quickly from one event to the other? And Peter, when he tries to remember the rowing and the tiredness and the weariness of the body and all that was going on he attributes it to one thing their mistaken identity of this one coming to them he said one thing one reason why we failed to recognize him because of a faulty memory we forgot about the miracle of the loaves and fishes. We did not consider what had just previously happened. What had been the outstanding event of the day was forgotten in the struggle of the hour. The trouble of the night had made them forget. That's what trouble can do to you. What had astonished them at noon had been forgotten in the labor of the evening. So it is in life. The troubles of night can cause us all to forget. If only they'd remembered. I mean, if only they had remembered. If they had remembered the lordship over the forces of nature that they had witnessed that morning. If they had only remembered the miracle of the morning, they would not have been scared by the menace at midnight. If only they had remembered the promise that he had made to them. Go to the other side. I'll meet you on the other side. If they had only remembered what he had said to them when they left that seashore. But they simply failed to realize that the one who could take care of the multitude could also take care of them. The simple fact is that the mercies of one day fail to fortify the faith of another day when we forget. When we forget, all kind of things happen in our life. When we forget all kind of things start to go wrong in our life. Forgetting isolates us. Forgetting makes us feel alone. Forgetting removes the divine element to a distance. And we feel like God has forsaken us. When we forget there are so many tragic things that happen. And when you read the story you, you, you see it clearly. When we forget we're troubled. The Bible said they were troubled at this one who had encouraged him and blessed him just a few hours. When we forget our lives are always troubled, they're always stressed, they're always anxious. When we forget, we fear. When we forget, we are overwhelmed by the product of our forgetting and that's fear. When we forget, we freeze. When we forget, we're confused. When we forget, we're scared. When we forget, we panic. When we forget, we even scream out. That's what happens when we forget. When we forget, ghosts appear. 
Ghosts of every kind. Old ghosts. The ghosts of past failures. The ghosts of missed opportunities. The ghosts of bad decisions. The ghosts of whether we understood Him right or not. The ghost of whether we made the right choice or not. We see shadows instead of substance. And we don't recognize the very one who ought to be known to us at any time when we forget. Amen. They simply forgot. They failed to call to memory the miracle of the morning. When we forget... We move from certainty to supposing. The Bible said they supposed it was a ghost. They supposed. They went from certainty to supposing. When they saw him, they supposed it was a phantom. We forget the certainty of the morning and it is replaced with the uncertainty of the night when we forget when we forget, we make the mistake of supposing. And worse than that, we make the mistake of supposing the worst. Amen. When we forget, we assume. They assume that Jesus was far removed from them. They assume that he had no clue what was going on in their lives at that particular moment. They assume that he had left them on the shore and he was long gone somewhere else. The source of their terror was in the, in part due to their assumption that he was far removed from them. Since they assumed that he was remote, he was aloof, he was indifferent, the figure on the waves had to be a ghost. It had to be a ghost. As soon as faith removes the divine element to a distance, the whole world is filled with phantoms. And we all have our ghost stories. We all have our own ghosts. When we all forget, or when we do forget, we often find it easier to assume the worst instead of the best. But why assume the worst? Why is it not possible to assume the best? That if He sent us, He will keep us. That if He called us, He'll take us through. Why is it that when we get into troubling situations and we find Life reduced to just toiling, laboring, hurt and harassment that we find it so much easier to assume the worst instead of the best. We forget where He brought us from. We forget what He got us out of. We forget how He reached us. So what is the answer, Brother Hughes? The simple answer is don't forget. Don't forget. Don't allow the familiarity of a cause to be forgotten. We must remember what the Lord has already done in our lives. 
And so God sent me this morning to do one thing, to call you to remembrance. God sent me to tell some of you this morning that are rowing. And you, you look around at your life this morning and you hadn't made enough headway to sneeze at. You're not any better off this morning than you were last week or last month or maybe even last year. And you're thinking, what is the use? Keep toiling. Keep toiling. But I come to call you to remembrance. I have come this morning to call you to remembrance. To remember that God has never failed you. I have called you to remembrance this morning that not only has God never failed you, God has never been late to your life. God has never been late to your life. Now, He may not have come when you wanted, but He came when you needed Him. God has never been late. I have come to tell somebody this morning that not only has He never been late, but He has never Never, 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 never come up short. I have called you to remember what the Lord has done. Look back over your life this morning. Tell me that God has not been good to you. I don't care how bad things are right now. You look back over your life and you tell me God has not been good to you. You tell me that God has not kept you. You tell me that God has not preserved you. Look back. I don't care if it's hell right now. I don't care if you feel like you can't go another mile. I don't care if you don't feel like you can stand another moment of it. Just look back over your life and tell me that God has not blessed your life up till this point. And when you look back over your life and you see the blessings of God back there, you got to know that if God blessed you back there, He's going to bless you right here and He's going to bless you on ahead. You cannot imagine that God would bring you this far to forget you at this moment. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's get the ghost out of our life. Let's get the fear out of our life. If God kept me back then, God knows how to keep me right now. Remember where the Lord brought you from. Remember how the Lord provided for you. Listen to me. Remember the way the Lord made a way. Don't just remember that He made a way. I want you to remember the way that He made a way. Woo! The way that He made a way. I want you to remember how He turned nothing into something. I want you to remember how he took what you had and made it sufficient for what you needed. Woo! Remember that when you only had a few loaves and fish, he said, that's all right. Quit putting so much pressure on yourself. 
Quit trying to be God and let him be God. Just bring me what you have. Hallelujah. Remember how he took that paltry nothingness and multiplied it into what you have right now. Now I want you to stand this morning and tell me right now if you're not better off right now than you were when you started. Come on, stand and tell me that. Stand and tell me that you are not better off today than you were when you started. Oh, so what I'm telling you is the truth. Now you see what happens is we get so busy rowing that we forget. And when we forget, the ghosts start showing up. And our memory, our mind starts to get faulty and foggy. Our eyes aren't as good as they were. Because we begin to see the one who is our Savior as something other than a Savior. We see the hand reaching out to help us as if it's trying to hurt us. And the truth is, it's Him all the time. It's him all the time. And the beautiful part is the Bible said he saw them rowing. Not one time during those nine hours were they out of his sight. All Now I don't know why he waited all night. I don't know why he waited nine hours before he came. I don't know. I do know this that God sometimes waits to reveal himself to me so I will appreciate him more. You see, you and I are built up in a generation where we want first hour deliverance. We want him to come in the first watch. We want him to come when the wind just starts to... I mean, it's not even blowing. It's just breathing on us. And we think, God, save me. Yeah, you got to get me out. I can't stand this anymore. And we start crying for him. But sometimes the wind blows through the night. Sometimes God lets us go a long time before he steps into the situation. Not because he can't do something, but because you and I would not nearly appreciate it as much then as we do now. And the Bible said at the fourth watch, the night was broken up into four watches. The fourth watch was from three to six o'clock. That's the darkest part of the night. The darkest part of the night is just before the dawn. And that's when God decided to show up. He always shows up when it's darkest. He always showed. So let me tell somebody. Let me just cheer somebody up this morning. Let me try to put a smile on some of your faces. If you feel like you are in the darkest hour of your life, you ought to look up somebody's on his way to you right now. And it doesn't matter if he's got to walk on water or wade through hell. He'll get to where you are because he knows where you are. And he knows how to get to where you are. And he will come when you need him. He will be there. Hallelujah. 
So all we really need to do is just look back and remember. We just need to look back and remember. Illusions vanish when we remember. He shows us that he has been faithful and how that he took so little and made so much. Oh, if somebody could hear the encouraging word of the Lord today. He said, it is I, be not afraid. I love how Mark wrote it. He talked with them. I preached about that a long time ago, but I I read that last night again and I thought, oh God, that's just your way. You didn't come bombasting and blasting. You didn't come cursing and ranting and raving. You didn't come stomping on the waves like some of us would come if God had to, if we got called out in the middle of the night, what in the world do you think you'd do? God talked with them. He gently, sensitively, tenderly spoke to them. He didn't scream out. He didn't yell like I'm yelling right now he just whispered hey it's I it's me, it's me. Don't, don't be afraid he talked with them he talked with them he spoke to them in terms that would open their heart and say, oh, oh how, how in the world could I be so blind I'll tell you how when you forget when you forget what God's already done and you forgot where all, where all God's already had to bring you from and what he's already got you out of. You forget. He sees the struggle. He sees it all. And he comes at just the right time. I want to commend you this morning. I want to commend you because you're still rowing. I want to commend you because you're not quitting. I want to commend you because you hadn't given up. I want to commend you because you're still here. You may be tired. You may even be mad. You may even be cursing under your breath. You may even be looking at the watch wondering how long the night. But I want to commend you because some of you are still rowing. You're still rowing. You're still trying. Amen. They were tired, but they were toiling. They were harassed, but they were still laboring. They were troubled, but they were still trying. Amen. Contrary as they were, they were still going on. They were tormented, but they were rowing. I want to commend someone here this morning that came into this service and the best way you could describe your mental condition right now is just tortured, tormented. I've never felt like I've tried harder than I have over the last little while and have so little to show for it. But I come to commend you that at least you tried. Praise God. And all that I'm asking you to do is just stop for a moment and remember. Just look back. Look back a few hours ago. And remember that the one who could take care of a multitude can surely take care of you right now. Come on, let's stand together.